Are you ready for retirement? Thinking about it? Just about there? Or are things still up in the air? This episode of the Learning Together podcast is for you. I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, your host for this series featuring faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who have established themselves as experts in their fields. Today, you'll hear a conversation on financial success with a finance expert, Ben Gerwitz, class of 2002. Ben Gerwitz is a certified financial planner with Financial Life Advisors. This is the first of a two-part podcast series with Gerwitz, and today's episode will address Social Security claiming strategies and how your financial advisor can add value. A great strategy oftentimes, if you can retire early or before 65, to actually lean more heavily on your 401k or your IRA. Dr. Bob Scherer, Dean of Trinity School of Business, will engage him in the conversation. Welcome to Learning Together with Ben Gerwitz in our podcast series on financial and retirement planning. Today we're going to discuss Social Security claiming strategies and related aspects of Social Security. Ben, welcome to Learning Together. Bob, it's good to be here. Ben, um, can you tell us a little bit about what Social Security does and how uh, people claim it, how they look for it um, uh, in terms of notifications every year, and just a general overview of how Social Security works. Well, Social Security was originally designed to take care of anybody who lived too long and couldn't work anymore, (laughs) became disabled, um, and helped take care of their families. Um, So that was the original intent. And Social Security has become more of a pension system where people pay into the system and expect to receive a benefit in the future. And to receive a benefit from Social Security for retirement benefits, which is what most people access it for, you have to work at least 40 quarters or 10 years. Um, And then you're eligible for retirement. But the way that Social Security is calculated, working 10 years doesn't give you a very big benefit. Social Security is actually using your highest 35 years of earnings. And Social Security, almost everybody participates in Social Security. There are some government employees who don't have to participate in Social Security and they have a pension system instead of it. But anybody who earns income, unless they have a religious exemption, has to pay into the Social Security system and earns those credits towards retirement benefits. And those 35 years, if you work 45 years, they just take your highest 35 years. And if you earned a year in 1975 or 1990, the income that you earned at that point in time gets inflated up to current day values when you retire. So it's taking your average earnings over your top 35 years, adjusted for inflation, and coming up with that average monthly earnings. And that's the basis for your retirement calculation with Social Security. So if I worked, say, as a teenager in part-time jobs, and then uh, in summers when I was in college, uh, and then maybe I had a break and I worked in the public sector, and as you mentioned, there's some public sector uh, employees or some individuals who... uh, not necessary for them to contribute to Social Security system. So say I had a break in service uh, uh, of Social Security earnings, 
for 10 or 15 years. And then I move into a job which does require me to contribute to Social Security. Is all of that counted or do they start over because there was a break uh, in contributions to the system? Tell us a little bit about that for uh, folks who who might have been somewhat more mobile in their career and professional development. Well, any year that you have reported Social Security earnings by an employer or if you're self-employed on your tax return, that gets transmitted to Social Security and they put it on your earnings record. And when you get a mailed Social Security statement, which most people don't get until right before retirement anymore, or you log into ssa.gov and create an account and download it, it'll show what your earnings are in any given year. And it's important for people to review that from time to time because sometimes it's inaccurate. I myself had a year that was missing from my record and I had to prove that I had paid taxes to get that added in. Um, but if you leave and, and come back, it's just your high 35 years. And if you only worked 10 years and you're qualified, your high 35 is gonna include 25 years of $0 earnings. And anybody who remembers what a zero on an exam did to your average <laughs> will know that a whole bunch of zeros really pulls down that average monthly earnings calculation. And am I able to? You, you said I could go to ssa.gov and sign up to uh, get an account. Am I able to get on there and calculate what uh, – I think you mentioned you could see – what you had contributed and verify that those contributions were correct. But can you also get on there and look at what the options are, look at what uh, your potential benefits might be under various scenarios? So Social Security on your statement will assume that what you made in your most recent reporting year is what you make going forward. So if you're 50 years old and quit working, the year that you quit, it's going to assume that you kept earning that amount. But they'll assume that you keep earning what you're earning now all the way until retirement, and then you will get benefits estimates for what it'll be at full retirement age, which for people retiring today is 66, but is going to migrate pretty soon to 67. Uh, you can collect benefits as early as 62, and there's a reduction in benefits for every month you take it before your full retirement age. And then you can also earn delayed credits by waiting until 70. And the estimates for those will be on your statement as well as estimates if you're disabled and family benefits um, that would be eligible for your family. Right. So, so it's important to look at that to get an idea of what your benefits are. And as you're approaching retirement, that's a key piece of information for formulating how you should claim Social Security because you want to maximize the benefits you get out of the program. Okay. And so if I don't have the 35 years worth of Social Security earnings, but I do have at least 40 quarters of Social Security earnings, then my benefit will be calculated on, say, 20 years or 22 years or 31 years. Is that correct? Right. But there'll be those zero years averaged in. Okay. So uh, it can pull down your average significantly. Uh, you see that a lot with people who maybe stayed home or went into government work where they were exempted, uh, and their Social Security benefits are a lot lower. But the way Social Security works, it's a tiered program where if your average earnings, as your average earnings go up, you get a smaller and smaller percentage of that replaced in Social Security. 
So people who have lower incomes get a larger percentage of their pre-retirement income replaced by Social Security than higher income individuals. And what specifically does Social Security cover? You said that primarily it was used as a retirement plan or or pension plan, uh, if you will, within quotation marks. But are there other ways, uh, other things that uh, you can utilize Social Security for or other uh, uh, life events in which one might qualify for Social Security? Well, there's a couple that people don't often think about. The biggest one being disability. If you don't have uh, the ability to work, but you're vested in the Social Security system, then essentially what you would have been eligible for at full retirement age, you can start collecting much younger. But the definition of disability, it's any occupation. You can't do any work, uh, which is a pretty tough bar to, 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 to meet. And Social Security only provides a limited amount of replacement income anyway. But that's the most common. There's also survivor benefits and spousal benefits. So if your spouse never worked in Social Security, but they're married to someone who did, they're potentially eligible to receive approximately half of their spouse's Social Security benefit. And if their spouse passes away, they're eligible to receive what their spouse was earning as a worker benefit. Additionally, when someone passes away, there's family benefits. So if a spouse is left with minor children um, or the minor children themselves can actually receive Social Security benefits uh, while they're still minors. And then if you reach full retirement age, you can actually receive benefits for minor children. Our president is a great example. He's past a delayed Social Security filing age, and uh, he'd be eligible for benefits for his son because he has a minor child and he's collecting Social Security himself. <laughs> Interesting example. So you said the earliest, uh, Ben, that one could uh, collect their Social Security retirement benefits would be age 62. Um, can you give us some insight into uh, when one might want to claim? And I know from uh, our other discussions that if one's looking at uh, putting away funds in a 401k or 403b or should uh, have a, a pension offered by their employer, that those kinds of things could kick in earlier or later, depending upon age and regulations. But how does Social Security fit into the mix of those other options? Social Security has some special considerations. Number one is it's adjusted to inflation. So it's going to go up through retirement, which is very powerful. Number two, um, you can't outlive it. It pays for the rest of your life. An investment can run out. Social Security, like a pension, doesn't. And the third one is it has tax benefits. Social Security is not fully taxable in retirement and, in fact, can be not taxable at all under certain circumstances. So you really want to maximize that amount. Now, obviously, if you start collecting Social Security at 62 versus waiting all the way until the latest age, which is 70, you're going to get eight more years of payments. But you'll get higher payments if you wait. At what point do you get more money? What's the break-even point? And depending on how you value what that time value of money is, it's about age 80. So an easy way to think about it is if you're single and you're filing for Social Security and you want to maximize the benefit by waiting until age 70, you have to live to at least 80 to break even. 
And what I always try to counsel people on to think about is if you don't make it to 80, you probably don't need as much of your 401k and IRA to get you there. But if you live past 80, which is more and more common, you're getting more money out of Social Security. And the, the benefits of Social Security as far as taxation and going up every year and not being out, able to outlive it provides a lot of longevity protection for waiting. So 62 might be a good age, 70 might be a good age, 67. Uh, it's going to depend upon, uh, again, one's overall portfolio of investments and and uh, needs and goals for retirement. Right. A great strategy oftentimes, if you can retire early or before 65, to actually lean more heavily on your 401k or your IRA to supplement income so you don't take Social Security until later. But then when Social Security is bigger, you won't have to take out as much later and you still get that longevity protection. But then in addition to just thinking about yourself, married couples have some special considerations. And what, what, what are those uh, considerations, uh, Ben? Well, you have survivor benefits and spousal benefits. So you can look at the way that those benefits are calculated and potentially increase what you earn. The most important generally is that the older, higher income earning spouse should wait until 70. Because if they were to pass away, say, before 80, that benefit that they've delayed then gets passed to their spouse. So that life expectancy has been over two lives, not one. It's a super life expectancy. Meanwhile, the lower benefit spouse, their benefit goes away when either one of the two spouses passes away. So it makes sense typically for that spouse to maybe file earlier because their benefit goes away first and they can inherit the larger benefit. So spouses have um, extra consideration and it usually makes more sense for at least one of them to wait till 70 to really put themselves in the best spot financially. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to the conversation with Ben Gerwitz and Bob Scherer. Just taking it a little bit further, how does divorce or remarriage uh, change or, or affect these, these benefits? Well, if you are married to somebody for 10 years and don't get remarried before age 62, you're still eligible to receive the same benefits that as a spouse that you did if you were married. And in fact, there's even an advantage. In a divorce, your spouse doesn't have to file for you to receive spousal benefits. So in the case of one spouse waiting until age 70, the divorced spouse to them could actually go and file for spousal benefits even if the person who was working hasn't filed for their own benefit, which wouldn't be the case if they were still married. But if somebody gets remarried before age 62, then they lose that benefit for being able to collect on their previous spouse unless they subsequently get divorced again. And here's, here's something that, um, you know, I don't know if it's folklore or legend, uh, 
but you hear from time to time in the media and that people are always concerned about. And that's the issue of the solvency of the Social Security Fund. And, and, and jokingly, people say, you know, Social Security is going to run out of money, but it's a real concern, I believe. And so what are your thoughts or what do you hear? What have you heard about that um, in terms of the sustainability of the Social Security pension funds? So going back to the statement from Social Security, it says right on the statement below your benefits that if Social Security is not changed, some and it changes from year to year, sometime in the early 2030s, Social Security is going to, quote, run out of money. And that just means that the money that's coming in from current taxpayers won't be sufficient to cover the benefits going out. And if it's about a 25% shortfall. So barring any changes and everything continuing the way it's been going, sometime in the early 2030s, everybody's Social Security benefits could be cut 25%. That being said, one thing that's true is the older people are, the more they vote. They vote in higher percentages. And it doesn't matter if someone's rich or poor, blue or red, (laughs) they pretty much all feel the same about Social Security something they've paid into and have earned. And if you take the largest voting block that feels the same way about an issue and doesn't have the ability necessarily to go earn more money because they're already retired, that's a pretty tough political football. So to, if that were to come to pass, I can imagine that politically there'd be a solution to make sure that people who are already retired wouldn't take too big of a hit. But there's no guarantees, obviously. Given that that possibility, uh, let's explore the opportunity of, uh, or I don't know if it's an opportunity, but uh, is it possible to take a lump sum distribution of your Social Security and then invest that, for example, in one of, in, in we were talking uh, previously on another segment about Roth uh, programs or 401ks, 403bs, or is it is it only paid out in monthly installments over time. It's only paid out in monthly installments. But if you were really concerned about Social Security benefits being cut, um, the only way to, to get more money out of the system would be to file earlier. And if you're still working, you can't file at 62. If you're making more than about seventeen or $18,000 a year, it actually reduces your Social Security benefits. But if the benefits are going to be cut across the board, you get 100% of benefits the earlier you file, then it would push filing earlier. But I would caution people to think very hard about that because if if they do cut benefits, I'd rather have 75% of a bigger benefit, especially when I don't have the ability to go back to work anymore. Um, Just putting, if it means I have to work a few more years to, to make sure I have enough money, it's probably a much safer bet than trying to game the system. So, Ben, let me just take that a little bit, extend that uh, uh, thinking a little bit further and give you a quick scenario. I'm 62 years old. I'm thinking about um, working for another five to ten years, maybe maybe longer. I really like my job, so it, it's, it's a good thing to do. Um, and I've got a pretty, uh, pretty substantial 403b account should i go ahead and take out my uh 
Social Security at this point, I make over the seventeen or eighteen thousand dollars that you mentioned. Um, give us a little insight into what I should do. Well, there'd be no point um, because if you filed for benefits, as soon as they got reporting that you had earned income, they'd ask for all the money back, and then it would be as if you never filed. Your benefit would then be adjusted until you quit working, and you would receive the same benefit at full retirement age, as long as you're still working up to that point. So you really have your hands tied if you're still working. The major benefit of working is that your social security benefits going to continue to grow. You're probably not going to be pulling much, if anything, out of your investment accounts. And so those are going to grow too. And obviously that's one less year of life that your retirement needs to be supported in. So financially it's much better to wait. But if you reach full retirement age, say you get to 66 and are eligible to collect and you're still working, at that point it may make more sense if you file for Social Security to then put more money in savings and use that as an extra way to put money away to grow as opposed to just spending it. Um, But a guaranteed rate of return that you can get from Social Security, it goes up um, 8% a year every year that you delay. So it's pretty hard to get that kind of return in the marketplace guaranteed. Ben, one last question. What are your thoughts going forward on uh, Social Security trends, changes, and um, looking at uh, your other retirement options to complement Social Security? Do you have some thoughts for us in, 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 um, in, in general areas like that? Well, when we run retirement projections, it usually shocks clients how important Social Security is to their retirement It is a pretty significant piece. Um, But thinking about Social Security, you want to maximize the benefit of it and then use it as sort of your your safety net, your guaranteed source of income, and using your investments uh, as your growth vehicle and to supplement to be able to delay Social Security. Um, And if your other investments ran out, your Social Security would essentially become tax-free. So as a, again, as a safety net, uh, living a long time and running out of money, maximizing that Social Security typically is the safest bet. Ben Gerwitz, thank you for sharing with us today on Social Security Claiming Strategies on our Learning Together podcast series. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.